Hey, good morning, Nashville, and this is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And I am your host, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS licensed, and I'm li- license number is 173264. Joining me in studio today, we have Mr. Chris Corveau back from the Hawaiian Islands. You want me to do a little hula dance for you here or something? Yeah, let's see it. Y'all want to see that? Yeah. It'd be ugly, but... You offered it. Let's go. I was trying to see if we could broadcast a show remotely from Hawaii, you know, but nobody nobody went for that. Jimmy, did I, you say I just want to know. Uh, how, how? I could, yeah, we could do that. I got to go with you, but... Yeah, yeah but we he could didn't say that. anything to you about that, did he? Oh, no, no. Dude. I, I just want to know how pale you have to be to come back from a week in Hawaii. And still <laughs> Dude, I spray sunscreen on like my life depends on it. <laughs> okay. I mean, who goes to Hawaii for a week and comes back pale? You know how white and pasty I am, man? So I thought about you guys while we were there. We're so off subject already. But <laughs> there, was these, <laughs> there were these houses that were built out in the middle of an active lava field, and people were squatting out there, and I'm going – can you get insurance on that? And uh, I think we need to bring an insurance guy in. But we were driving out in the lava fields going to the Volcano National Forest, and all of a sudden there's these houses on stilts. What's the stilts going to do against volcano? Yeah, yeah. nothing. But um, so anyways, uh, I thought Wooden about, stilts, no less. But I still thought, could I do a closing on that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my Hawaiian story, and uh, that's what it is. And yes, I am not very tan because I don't tan very well. I go from white to red to peel to white. That's so life. we missed the peel week, man. Yeah. Can you get a title policy if the land underneath you shifts and moves? You know, we might need to do a leasehold interest here or something <laughs> on that. But uh, how do you I, write that title policy? Yeah, you know, in water water lines, it's riparian rights. You know, because the boundaries do shift. But I don't I don't know if there's a lava endorsement <laughs> on a title policy for the shifting of the lava. That's so, a whole nother show, a whole nother subject. Yeah, I might need to do some research on that. In other words, we're going to Hawaii. There you go. Jimmy, right. I'm in. Be I'm in. Travel. Let's do it. And of course, we have Miss Andrea Brewer. <laughs> Good morning. She comes off just so sweet and innocent. I, I am sweet and innocent. <laughs> David, you want to make a comment on that one? No. <laughs> smart, on, smart man. man. That's right. He knows what's good for him. I get enough trouble off air. I don't need to start it on air. Very true. <laughs> and of course, David Lukey with Capital Homes is here this morning. So. We have an outstanding show today, and a little recap from last week's was um, we were talking about rental properties, the pros and cons about rental properties, and David was rather adamant, and Chris, you missed a heck of a show because it was, we expected a dynamic to play out with uh, David and I, but it actually ended up being Andrew and David, and man, Andrew. I think you put in your two cents. Oh, I didn't, I just sat back and enjoyed the show. Okay. It was an outstanding show, but. Great, great topics. Should you rent your house? I mean, not should you rent your house. Should you buy a house for your child if they're moving off to college and be the landlord for all of his friends? And how the dynamic changes, whether you're talking about buying here close to home in Nashville or wherever your house is versus I think Ohio State was used or down in Florida or somewhere else where you just can't. I think somebody exactly mentioned there. Auburn. Yeah, Auburn. War Eagle. <laughs> I do a ton of those closings where people are buying houses all the time. And, and uh, for other college students, yeah. I just need to send my kid to the college near beach, near the beach somewhere, <laughs> so I can get the co- rental property on the beach. There you go. But uh, but yeah, so I've, I'm sorry I missed that, but I heard part of it, and so it was really good. 
David, did you miss that look you just got? I, I did not miss it at all. I saw it exactly <laughs> come right at me. And he I does those was, all the time. Wow. I, yeah, what do you know? Sure enough. You don't do them for David Lukey, but <laughs> other people are thriving and making good investments. Hey, if you missed if you missed last week's show or you want to see the look that David just got, you need to go to Facebook to Money Man Mike Radio or out to the website at moneymanmike.net and look at the videos that we record every week. And check out the look that Andrea just gave David Lukey. Oh, yeah. And doing it again. Just cutting his <laughs> eyes. <laughs> just, just that stinky. I'm glad stuff. you don't look at me that way. Oh, you get a few. You haven't been there, man. You've been in Hawaii. She gave you a couple last week when you were gone. That's only because I, I was in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, the hate for your lovely vacation you were on. Yeah. I'm stuck here with these goons. Cool pictures, by the way, with the uh, manta ray. Man, that, that wasn't little. No, but that was still. That was. Yeah, Picture doesn't do it any justice, I'm sure, but man, that was just cool. Right down, right down the mouth, or a frontal shot with the mouth open, skimming across the bottom. It looked like yeah, that was, was cool. a twelve foot wide manta ray, and I was about probably about fifty feet underwater at night. At night, and um, this thing came by and just had its mouth like it was going to gobble me. They only eat plankton, so I'm, I'm not worried about it. But it was pretty intense to see that thing and wow. smack me right on the head with its fin and. Evidently, they got this gel stuff all over the body that allows them to glide. Not that I have much hair left, as y'all know, but <laughs> it took me like three days to get all this junk out of my hair where it slimed me like the Ghostbusters thing. Weird. <laughs> yeah, it didn't so. just wash out? No, it like, no, it did not. Wow. Weird. I yeah, I felt like sl- the ghost old Ghostbusters thing. So, yeah. uh, but uh, so it was, it was cool. So, outstanding. But I missed contributing to the show. So, we missed you. We're glad you're back. I'm sure you thought about us. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Mm-hmm. All the whole time. Yeah. yeah. As he's 50 feet under, scuba diving at night, chilling, having his cocktails. Not underwater. Yeah. <laughs> skilled if you were. <laughs> we also talked about the growth in Nashville. And for longtime residents, has the growth in Nashville made the appeal of Nashville wear off any? Has it diminished the appeal any for you know, the long-term residents with the way that everything has changed and so forth. But if you missed last week's show, like I said, go out to moneymanmike.net or out to Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio, and check out all the videos, all the posts and everything else, and you can catch up on all of our antics and our outtakes and all the behind-the-scenes fun stuff. But this week's show, we're going to talk about three important subjects that I think everybody should know. And again, everybody should know these. So if you're in the market to buy a home or you're a first-time home buyer, move up, whatever the situation may be, I don't care if you bought a house three years ago, five years ago, six years ago. You need to listen to what we're going to say today because the market's changed in a lot of different ways. But the one of the topics we're going to talk about is the house and inventory and the pent-up sellers and how that's going to bring more inventory into the market. And then we're going to get into, if you're serious about home buying, you absolutely need to listen to today's show because we're going to talk about a lot of important key details of what you need to do before you call someone like Andra or you go out to see somebody like David at the Model Homes and look at buying a house. And then we're going to get into the six don'ts after you apply for a mortgage. So many people do everything that they shouldn't do after they've applied for a mortgage and they make the whole process that much more difficult on themselves. We've got to jump out to a break real quick, but when we come back, we're going to get into the house and inventory and the pent-up sellers and how that's going to benefit everybody. And you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things of real estate. And one of the important things that we've talked about in several weeks leading up to today's show is housing inventories and how there is no inventory, or practically it's not existed in some cases. I mean, how many times do you make an offer for one borrower on multiple properties until you finally get one? What, what do you think it is? Um, right now, my average is probably at least four or five. Most people, I have some people right now that have written like seven offers and still, we're still looking. Yeah. You still get. And they get very frustrated. It's hard not to. I mean, yeah, it is. And I'm like, look, look for, for sale by owners. Look, or, I mean, stop and ask people if they're renovating a house, mm-hmm. if you see them doing work. Yeah. You know, we're all in this together. So literally you're getting, you have to find the property before it hits the market, before the masses become known to it. I I emailed an agent today on a property closed in October just to say, my people drove by, they saw somebody working. Is it a rental? Is it a flip? Are they just going to live there? What do you know? Right. And the guy's like, it's going to be a rental. And I was like, it's going to be a rental. And I got the sad face text. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Move on. But you know, there's some good news. Light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. And... We, we actually published an article out on our blog. Uh, again, go to Facebook, MoneyManMike.com. I mean, not MoneyManMike.com, but uh, Money Man Mike, Money Man Mike Radio. Say that quick five times, whatever, this early in the morning. Here comes the house in inventory. And we used to reference that the median number of years that a homeowner stayed in their house was six to seven years. Mm-hmm. And over the last couple of years... That's ticked up because people weren't able to sell their home. They didn't have the equity. They didn't think they had the equity and and or they couldn't get finance for whatever the reason was or there's just uncertainty about everything. Nobody wanted – nobody felt comfortable doing anything. Mm-hmm. So as a result, and in this article, um, there was a couple surveys done and the one was done by Forbes that said – or documented back in 2008, we still saw an average tenure of six years. But in 2009, it jumped to seven, then to 10, it went to eight, and it kept on going to nine. Leveled off at nine through 2013, jumped up to 10 years in 2014, but now we've seen a peak. And in 2015, it's gone from 10 down to nine again. So the prediction is, Hey, people are starting to realize what's happening in the market. So there's been a, all this inventory that's out there that nobody felt like they had enough equity to sell or they were waiting until they had 20% equity. And now their job situation, may they may feel better about that. Whatever the situation may be, they're now starting to move or they're now starting to list. Now, do we expect this to be like an instantaneous overnight kind of remedy? No. no. I mean, we didn't, we didn't go from six years – to 10 in just one year. I mean, it took several years to get there. But there is a little light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. So we wanted to get y'all's take on that. What, what do you, what's your opinion? What's your feeling? Well, first of all, 1% is a – it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a tremendous number when you're talking overall sales to go from 10 years to 9 years. So mm-hmm. are we talking Nashville or nationally National. here? So, I mean, that's a humongous number, yeah. 1% right there to happen. But – I mean, I think as people feel more comfortable in their jobs in today's market, um, you know, there is a there is a need where people feel more comfortable to go out. People are more secure in their jobs. Uh, they might be making more money. 
Um, and there's a lot of different opportunities out there for people, different products. It's just not the standard three-bedroom, two-bath house. There's multi-generational family. There's mm-hmm. a senior living. There's there's down to the studio apartments for for the young people that are trying to get out on their own. So I think that's a market change is it's trying to adapt to what the to what the industry is looking for. Yeah, and I think there was also people that you know they would like to have moved and hey we needed more room, but yet hey we can stick it out here for a few more years to see what happens. And I mean heck we've done that, and I'm still in that mindset to where I don't want to sell where we're at because of the location. Yeah, same here. And I have people ask me all the time, well, is, you know, is this going to continue? Should we go ahead and sell now? I mean, there's a lot of people on the fence about whether they should, because yeah. the market is so good and it's obviously a seller's market, yeah. to, you know, go ahead and make that jump to, mm-hmm. you know, upsizing or, you know, whatever they choose to do. But I, it would be great if we got a little bit more inventory. It would oh, be gosh. awesome. Now, what do you it. tell your sellers when you're getting ready to list? I mean, are you like, hold on for your dear life or let's go look at a house first? Or <laughs> No, I you... mostly, well, it depends on where it is and the situation, of course. But if it's, you know, somewhere where most likely their house is going to sell in like two days, I mean, you're homeless. like, look, so just be prepared. Some people I'm telling if you, you know, they're like, we have a baby and a dog and da, da, da. And I'm like, why don't you just go out of town for two days and let me mm-hmm. let 38 couples rifle through and then, you know, we'll look at the offers because yeah. that's what's going to happen. And then I tell everybody, I said, now, look, selling is not going to be your problem. Buying is your problem. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and set you up a search, be getting familiar with what's out there, what it's priced at, what to expect. Yep. And I was like, you know, we ideally you don't want to you can't make an offer really until you're, you know, your house is under contract or, you know, you can if it's listed. There's a bunch of scenarios with that. But. You don't really want to go out and start trying to make offers if yours isn't listed. Who's going to take that seriously in this market? Right. But, um, oh, yeah, the buying's the problem, 100%. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's also, it's kind of a catch-22 because they have this house that now has equity, most of them. Mm-hmm. They're going to have this money to put down. It's a great scenario to buy, but it's stressful. And I tell them up front, it's stressful to do both, and especially if you're trying to do them back-to-back. Yeah. Which, you know, you deal with the trickle effect of closings all the time domino effect yeah and that's getting harder and harder too where just the logistics of trying to move money around Mm -hmm. and um you know we're getting funding the very next day when people are trying to sell and buy the same day and you know it's it's always the first one that either closes late in the day or something and it just backfires so i implore people you know take the day either take the day off and be prepared for that or even move it for the purchase the day later i know it's really hard to do that but make some sort of arrangements where you can occupy the property for an extra day or something because these these things happen they happen they're two and three closings at a time and one step along the way stops and it gets and, and and it throws the whole thing in the whack and i know folks have to move and they got moving truck lined up but there's just too many factors that are in there and it just causes so much stress to people and it just makes the whole transaction for folks just just very stressful yeah the moving truck thing is everybody's but we've got to you know reserve the movers yeah i mean you almost want to say just go ahead and let's close on wednesday and if it ends up being thursday or friday that's what happens and schedule your movers for saturday and make an agreement or something but there's so many things that you know just the four of us in this room have no control over, right. but yet we're the ones held responsible for it when something doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, we had some clothes last week, too. three, mm-hmm. yeah, three in a row, and the very first buyer was in Portland, Oregon, signing at two thirty their time, <laughs> which was four thirty our time, right. and that's the first guy. And we had three other transactions wow. in behind that, wow. and um, you know, and the other people couldn't move in because the builder wouldn't give them the keys because they didn't pay for the house. But come on, David, no, what David, <laughs> and um, so. <laughs> 
I'm kind of a you know what? David is though. super flexible with his clients, more so than any other builder that I work with. I agree. He's with more that. flexible. He he tries to be understanding with mm-hmm. his clients. You know, not all of them. Hey, can I move in before I buy? You know, but I mean, I I mean, I'll give David credit for that. Of all the builders I work with, he at least will 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 listen to the situation and try to make an informed decision. There's a some, lot there's of risk. some there's no movement at all with the builder thing. No. Like, no funding, no key. I don't care. People don't understand. I have liability. Yes. When you move in, I have liability. Oh, sure. So if you can limit my liability, I can have a conversation, especially if it's on my end, if it's let's, Mike or whatever. Let's jump out. we got to jump out to a break real quick, but I want to come back to that because a lot of people just don't they realize. Don't get that. Yeah, because it's, a, hey, I'm just going to rent from you from a couple of days. It's not just that simple. There's a whole, whole lot more that goes into the equation there. But, hey, we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to David a little bit more about why it's so hard to get a builder to let you get the keys early, move in before you physically close. So you listen to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm your host, Michael Fair, and before the break, we were talking about why a builder is such a stickler to letting you move in early, why they won't give you the keys when maybe you've got a domino effect closing and you've got somebody that's closing at, you know, 12 o'clock in a day and then another person's closing at 2 o'clock in a day and your closing is not till 5, but then all of a sudden all that gets bumped back and your closing is now taking place tomorrow. Why is that 24-hour period, or in some cases just a 12-hour period, like the triangle of death for real estate, it seems like, because it seems so simple to let me move in as a buyer into your house, David, for just a couple hours. But what what's the legalities behind the scenes that pretty much handcuffs you and why you have a hard time letting somebody do that? It's It's about liability, and it's about insurance. It's about you know, I have a, a builder's risk policy that covers the building while it's being constructed. Okay. And one of the things in the builder's risk policy is, you know, Chris was talking about on the break, is as soon as somebody occupies it, builder's risk is out. So as somebody occupies it. Moves one that moves a shoe in. Yeah. David's David's insurance on the property has been null and void. It's voided. Yeah. And so then I do have general liability insurance, but that does not cover the structure. It never covers the structure. Mm-hmm. So, so like, you know, somebody decides they're going to deep fry turkey and they burn the house down and there's no insurance, I, I got to pay to rebuild it. And, I, you know, it, that's a lot of money. That's a, <laughs> that's lot, a of money. lot of money. <laughs> and so we always say, you know, if we're going to pre-occupancy and, and the, kind of the, the, the guidelines that I'd like to use, and I appreciate what Chris was saying, was, you know, first off, is it our fault? Right, and if Correct. you're if you're using Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage, and Michael needs two extra days to get the loan done for whatever reason, we don't need two extra days. But but, but you know, <laughs> something just, happens that that's not even within your control. Right. But you're using Everything my lender, and I that. know it's going to close. Okay, get your insurance in place. Put the utilities in your name. Pretend like you own the house right now. Yep. And I'll go ahead and let you have pre-occupancy agreement. Usually, they got to bring their money down. Yeah. You know, if they're putting a down payment down, they have to bring their money. I, I don't want to find out, you know, when your day you're supposed to close that you went to Vegas and you lost it all in a hard eight or something like that. You know, <laughs> you have to have the money. So, yeah, that's, so that's the other condition. I have to have the, all of the money that you're going to put down on the house at in my possession. and Which could be a stopping point right there because if they're getting the proceeds from the sale of their current house, deal's dead right there. Yes, yes, and that's true. And, and 
But if they're getting the proceeds from the sale of their house and the reason that they can't move is the sale of their house is not ready yet, then they have a house to live in. True. Okay. Right? So they're not in a bad situation. Right, right. Um, I do encourage people who are renting to not try to close on the 30th or the 31st. No. Try to close on the 20th or the 18th or the 15th or something like that. And take your time moving. Relax. Take your time. Enjoy the process instead of being stressed out. I mean, that's, that's, that is item number one. But the other thing is, too, if they put their stuff in the house, as soon as they move it in the house, I'm responsible for it mm-hmm. unless they have their own insurance. They have their own insurance, then maybe I decide that I'm responsible for the deductible, which I probably will. But if they put the stuff in the house and somebody else comes and steals it all, it's my problem, not theirs. Right. Well, David becomes a landlord at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Even with no lease, he's it's a tenant, a tenant in possession is what it is. Right. And so, you know, and he's a home builder, not a home landlord. Right. So, uh, you know, you can get in situations where, I mean, what happens if somebody got in a car wreck and they're in there for two or three days, you know, living in the house and they get in a car wreck and can't buy the house? You know, he's just become a landlord with tenants in the property. And, you know, it is a major risk factor. And I know people, it's, most people don't think about that. No. Uh, they're just like, man, the builder's being difficult. I just want to put a few things in the garage. Well, maybe don't have a, maybe you don't have the final inspection done. You know, if they have something in there and the county's not come out and, and passed the house for a final inspection, he'll fail the inspection. Right, because he's let somebody occupy the house, and you want to get in trouble. Let the <laughs> let the inspector from the county come out and find out you've let somebody move in that house before they've passed it. Oh boy, that's a mess. I mean, that really is a mess. And, and and we'll try to accommodate as best we can. You know, if if we have passed our inspections and they want to put stuff in the garage, get the insurance in place, and we'll lock up the house and not let them have the keys and 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 let them put stuff in the garage. I've done that too. It's not the best thing to do, but I've done it. You know, it's it just. It's interesting, people, because they want to do that, and it's like, you don't understand, this is not good for you either. Right. And surely you can find a place to stay. And sometimes when it's kind of a real iffy situation where they they have to sell a house, Mm -hmm. they have to close, and they've already packed their stuff up, and it's on the truck because they're coming from Missouri or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they say, can't we preoccupy? I'll say, no. In fact, I'd rather pay for your hotel than let you move into that place. Right. I, and I have done that. Now, most builders would say, no, you're going to stay at a hotel and you're going to pay for it. Yep. You know, I try to be a little nicer about it. But it's it's hard, you know, because you understand people are looking for a place to stay and they're looking to move into the house. They want to act like it's their house, but it's not their house yet. And, and they're excited. They're all anxious oh, yeah. about it. They're, well, they got kids and animals. I mean, yeah. Andrew, you see it, too, where people are yeah. – people something unfortunate happens and the people are stuck and, uh, you know, they're asking to move in. And I would have a hard time if I was the builder or a seller giving my house to somebody who hadn't paid me for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I know you're going to close, but you want me to give you my, let's say, $300,000 uh, house. Yeah. And I don't I don't have anything in my hand to show for that, that I'm going to get that money. Do I trust you? I don't know you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even do I trust you. It's It's every house I have under construction is on the same key. And until their keys go in the lock and turn the locks and change the locks, everybody who not only who currently works for me, but everybody who's worked for me in the past may have a copy to that key. And you put your your grandpa's, you know, stamp collection in the garage thinking it's no big deal. And then you come back and your grandpa's stamp collection is gone because somebody who who painted for me five years ago has a key. What am I supposed to do now? I can't replace those stamps. I, changing this on the same topic, but kind of changing. I want it too. my stamps. Yeah, I want my stamps. <laughs> 
I'd say Andrew's been too quiet during this segment. <laughs> you know, when, I, when I'm in, in the situation where I have to let somebody preoccupy, I don't know if you do this, Andrew, or not, but one of the things that I do is I say, okay, you're expecting to close on the 25th. Okay, so the rent between now and the 25th is going to be X, maybe $25 a night, something like that. But the rent after the 25th goes to $100 a night. Because I want people to be super, super motivated to close. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Is that, do you do the same thing when people oh, preoccupy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You well, know. usually in her case, they put escrow money up, and if they don't move out, they lose the escrow money yeah. um, on a realtor side. So they may pay rent, depending on the situation. They may, but may we do have a day-by-day per, per diem, diem. Yeah. and then it goes up after a certain day. And if, people push back on that sometimes, but they don't understand if they had closed on the 20th, they have an interest per diem that the bank's going to charge yes. them. Yes. Yeah. And to be fair, and Chris knows this, to be fair, I don't think about what my costs are when I come up with a per diem. I say, okay, what's their per diem, Chris? And Chris tells me, well, you know, based on their loan, their per diem is supposed to be whatever a day. And I go, okay, that's what that's what your rent is. So that you're the, you're the same. Mm-hmm. I'm better or worse. I don't know. I don't care. But it's you, you, you want to act like you closed, and this is how much you pay per day because you closed. That's a very fair way to do it. And by no means should anybody go out to the, the internet or our Facebook site, moneymanmike.radio, and download this video and say, hey, David said I can move into his house early. Not closed. <laughs> Not closed. Yeah, it, Those are rare instances. Yeah. There's, there are specific requirements that must be met. David or, might pay for your room, though. Yes. And if you have a good agent, you're going to be prepared for all of these things. Like Andrew Brewer. I mean, I tell people from the get-go, you know, this could happen, this could happen. You know, these are all things to expect. It's going to be stressful. I'm going to shoot you straight. Yep. You know, so they're not just like, what and what? And I don't have, I'm homeless. And, you know, some people freak out about stuff that they really, if they took it in stride, would be everything's going to be okay. When we come back, I want to finish up on this issue because there's something else I want to talk about too. Perfect. And that leads us right into why you want to get pre-approved and why we do such a thorough pre-approval on the front end to try to eliminate some of the stress. So you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. If you guys could have listened to that, <laughs> JT, the master producer man, is back here throwing out all sorts of Bill Clinton impersonations. I did not. Oh, yes, you did. Maybe. Maybe. No, I did not do that impression. Oh, man. So before the break, we were talking about the whole... Um, God, I've lost my train of thought. What were we talking about with the uh, homeowner? Not the homeownership. <laughs> just move in. Pre- uh, pre- oh, yes, we were talking about pre-occupancy uh, and post-occupancy. And you wanted to say something. I did. I wanted, you know, for n- new homes, what I run into, and I we're actually just ran into it again. People come in, they write a, con- a agreement contingent upon selling their house. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Not every builder is, but I, as a builder, I am, especially in this marketplace, especially if I know who the listing agent is. If I know the agent who's going to list the house is going to yeah. do a great job. I don't worry about it. And in this situation, I knew the agent was going to do a great job. And, and I wanted to ask you, Andrew, what you thought of this. I always feel like the people who are selling their house to have a new house built ought to close as fast as their buyer can and do a post-occupancy agreement so they do not have to worry about whether or not the people are going to close and rent the house back, even if their rent is more than what their current mortgage is that the little extra that they're going to pay is insurance well worth it. Oh, it's definitely a lot less stress to do that. I just did that. I mean, they were building a house in Franklin, and they sold their house in Inglewood. 
and they rented it back for about a month, and it was a lot less stressful. What yeah. do you think of that? I mean, give me your thoughts on that. Oh, I mean, I, if the both parties are willing to do it, I think it's great. It definitely takes the stress off of, oh, well, our house didn't build. Our builder's behind, and everybody panicking all the time. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I have a couple agents that do that uh, religiously on every contract uh, where they have a, if they're representing the seller, uh, they have a, a post-occupancy agreement where they get a day or two, and it's just their their model for doing it. And I, I think it's a really good idea just because it, it relieves a lot of stress from people to know that they have a day or two to get out. And if you're approaching that on the front end when people are bringing you offers yeah. instead of trying to do it afterwards because people start planning right away. So mm-hmm. um, the realtor that I'm thinking about that I work with, that's that's and that's just her business model is that every transaction if she's if she's listing the house she gives them a three-day three-day post-occupancy on there whether they need it or they don't and i can't ever tell you there's a time when people didn't need it um to do that and so it's easier to do that on the front end uh, sometimes people because it's like a negotiating tool when it's you're... a negotiating tool yeah and uh to do that so i think it's a good idea the people are a lot it's a lot less stress that goes on because they know hey yes i'm going to closing but i still got three days if i don't have Maybe that stuff out of the attic or out of the garage that I need to get out to do that. And if you're writing offers from the buyer's standpoint to be like competitive, you know, I'll ask the listing agent, is there anything they need? What's the closing date? What What's their ideal move out? And I mean, I just closed one last week where the seller's staying for three extra weeks because she had to put in her two weeks notice or whatever at work. Mm-hmm. And so there were multiple offers that were all very close, but my offer said, you know, we'll close on this date and you have three extra weeks. And I went ahead and attached that to my offer, knowing that's what she wanted and that's why she took our offer. Right. That's great. So, well, I think sellers are in a driver's seat. It's the seller's market absolutely. we talked about and they can kind of almost name their name their price. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, but you also have buyers writing like letters and, you know, we love this house. <laughs> and when we pulled up, this is everything we dreamed of. And then does that work? Of, oh, it, I mean, it really does. It depends. Cause now, now you'll get seven offers and three of them wrote a letter. So it's like, well, I like them all three, but if you're the only one that wrote a letter, they kind of root for them. But, um, also if they like them, they, even if they haven't met them, but they like them on paper and they kind of mentally feel really good about selling their house to these people because they're so sweet and they're baby and whatever, whatever they told them. And then when you ask for something, they're going to be kind of more likely to bend to help them out because they like them. That's a perfect example of how this is nothing but a pure black and white business transaction for all of us. Right. But they, as the buyers or sellers, are instantly Well, it's emotional. emotional. Yeah. It's your house. Yes. Yes. Well, what if you're not good at writing letters? Can you do like a song and dance or juggle? Can, I or think maybe anything a would be. Comedy uh, routine? Anything would stand out. Ghostwriter. Yeah. Bill Clinton. Yeah. Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I really want that house. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, you have an <laughs> Exactly. Well, well, I'm so, I mean, I'm just not. Uh, sentiment. I don't know. I don't want to say sentimental is a word, but to me, it's just black or white because I guess yeah. I do it all day. So, yeah. But I'm I mean, get... I say that, but you know, when I sold my last house, I was kind of a wreck. Mm. I was really emotional about it. And it was like, I see how now when people get their house ready to list and they're, I mean, I talked to a girl today at the gym and she was like, I packed my kids a bag. I told them they couldn't touch anything in the house. They weren't allowed to open their closets. They are supposed to live out of the bag like they're on vacation in their own house. If you use your toothbrush, put it back and don't mess up my sink. And my husband's like, okay, I got it. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, they're getting their house. They're putting a lot of energy and effort into it. And they, you know, they're putting a lot into it. It's effort. They are mentally moving in and moving out and visually seeing that next step where for us, it's just 
a transaction. We need to talk one day about seller etiquette, how you should leave a house or what you should leave in a house. Because I, like I, I battle closings all the time where people have taken the curtains or they've taken the mirrors or they've yeah. taken even the TV mounts off there. Uh, the TV and, mounts now, I pretty much every, because it's written in the contract to leave TV mounts because they're, you know, hanging on your wall and leaving the Well, they're bolted to the wall. But, I mean, do you mow the grass? Do you take the garbage yeah. out? or? And that's a, that's something that comes up. Well, they didn't even mow the grass. Or they'll say, well, that's just the best seller. They even mowed, like, fresh mowed it yesterday. And, I mean, it's, you know, that. That's what they're taking away from the deal. Some of them are just smooth, and people are so happy. And some of them, every little thing they can find to be mad about, they are. Yep, it's emotional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely I, I, emotional. I got a funny story about mowing the grass. They had it, you know, we try to schedule stuff. I don't mow the grass. I pay someone else to mow the grass, and so we mowed we mowed somebody's grass the day after they closed because they were scheduled two days before they closed and they didn't get out there. And I, I just, I scheduled it. I don't worry about it. I got the nicest letter from the people. Yeah. Thank you so much for mowing my grass. We were, you know, a little upset about it when we got there and the grass was, you know, tall. And when they showed up and I went outside and they were like, why are you mowing our grass? Oh, because David scheduled us two days ago and we really appreciate it and felt good about See, it. See, and then you. they, f- I bet they felt so good about you that they'll yeah. send you business. Well, they sent me a nice letter. I mean, I, no, you know, I bet maybe they'll, they'll send me business. You too. Yeah, and they'll, they'll always, nice. if they recommend you, they'll say, he even had somebody mow our grass after closing. They'll bring that up. Yep. I yeah. mean, yeah. it's the little details like that. And that goes back to the whole pre approval you know, process of when we start this. And like when you start interviewing a client and getting them prepared for, hey, the difficult part is going to be finding a new house. Mm-hmm. Selling your house is going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You're going to be homeless really quickly, and you need to understand that. You will be homeless. You need to have all your ducks in a row. Yes. And one you, of my, I mean, I say that all the time, like it's overkill to people. You need to have all your ducks in a row. You need yeah. to have your pre-approval in place already. You know, call done. my lender. Done. Have it done. Be ready. Because, yep. I mean, in the whole housing thing, you know, the days of let's go look at five is over. You yeah. see one you want, you better make an offer. Yeah, that that was one of the pieces I want to talk about with the pre-approval piece. And we're going to have to, we'll start some of it with this show. We don't have much time left, but we're going to definitely lead off with it with next week's show. If you're serious about buying a home, I mean, you, you, you cannot be over-prepared. You just can't. And I tell buyers, hey, look, this is your range for a payment for based on what you want. Here is your property tax cap. Your taxes cannot exceed this amount. We have looked or we pre-qualified you based on no HOA. Your insurance is estimated this. Mm-hmm. It'd be in your best interest to go get an insurance quote on a house that would be like this. Call your agent up and just give them a property address of what similar of something similar that you're looking at. Just get a quote so we know what that number is. We'll plug all that stuff in so that you know what that payment is. Mm-hmm. You can quickly do the math on site. You can use our uh, mortgage app or, Andrew, you know how to do the numbers too. But you can quickly figure out, once you see that property, you can make an offer. Because mm-hmm. if you take six, at, six, eight, 10, 12 hours, one day to think about it, where's it's gone. The, the house is gone. I mean, potentially. Yeah, the house will be gone nine times out of ten. So... You know, next week we're going to pick up with this and talk about how you need to be prepared, how if you love the house, you can write the contingencies into the contract, mm-hmm. whether it's home inspections, appraisals, the whole nine yards to get you out of it, why you've got to get your insurance done, how your insurance affects everything, why you need to have all your numbers run in advance, why we at Waterstone do such a thorough pre-approval. We look at your pay stubs. We look for any kind of deductions that may be there that you think is ah, no big deal, but maybe you've pulled money out of your 401k. 
that's a payment that has to be counted against you depending on how everything's showing, but yet you're not thinking about that. Right. So we look at everything from an underhand standpoint to make sure you are prepared so when you get out with Andrea, David, or whoever, you can make an offer in confidence to get this thing done. So next week, pre-approvals, we're going to walk you through it. And that's all the time we got for this week. Been listening to Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510. We're out. <laughs>